thank you for joining us for How Have You Not Seen, a movie podcast where we fill in the blanks in each other's cinematic knowledge by asking important questions like... Well, you never watched Palm Springs, or... You seriously haven't seen In the Mood for Love, or... How have you not seen Titanic? Hello again, and thank you for joining us for How Have You Not Seen? I'm your co-host, Caroline Thompson. I am also the co-host, Carson Betts. <laughs> and this is a movie podcast where each week we pick one of our favorite movies that the other hasn't seen. We talk about it. Then we go and watch the movie. And we talk about it some more. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be tragic. It's going to be an especially good time because it's we have a special guest on the show today. Typically, Carson and I are forcing each other to watch movies, but... Mm. Um, we have a guest who has never seen Titanic. Fucking um, insane. Nicole, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, um, I'm Nicole Fegan. Um, I've never seen Titanic, but I love movies. Um, so this is going to be like a, a, I don't know, an experience. It's probably 24 years in the making for me. Wow. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And um, Nicole has a super cool YouTube channel where she talks about a lot of the um, a lot of the like the movies and the books that she um, has seen. And one of the things you do, I think monthly is like, these are all the first watches. And so when I saw you doing that, I was like, I, we've got to get her on the pod. Like, yeah. like that's exactly what she does on her channel. Like we got to get her on the pod. So we're super, um, we're super lucky and grateful to have you here. Thank you for having me. Oh, of course. Thank you um, for coming. And I mean, this is one of those movies that just like, I mean, I love this movie and it's mm. a shame that Carson has seen it because that means I don't get to talk about it, but yeah. now we can. Um, so let's just hop right into it. Nicole, how have you not seen Titanic? Um, so I actually forgot about this until this very moment. I think I've been in the same room with Titanic because I'm fairly certain that was the last movie my mom saw when she was pregnant with me in <gasps> theater before I was born. No so way. Are you wow. kidding me? I haven't actually, that doesn't mean I've seen it. I was in the womb. Well, sure. Yeah, yeah. Titanic, but, uh, it's 97, I think. Right? I'm looking it up. I'm Googling. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm completely, I was prepared to answer this. And then my brain was like, um, wait a minute. Wait I'm a like second. 90% certain it's 97. But now that you've oh. asked me, my brain is doubting <laughs> you, that. You know what happens if you Google Titanic and you, <laughs> you get the, the boat? Result, you get the boat. It's 97 though. Okay. December 19th, 1997. I was born six days later, December 25th, 1997. And I'm pretty wow. like that. So I was, I was in the room when Titanic was out. I just didn't see it. That is, wow. That's an incredible story. Crazy. <laughs> so good that we got that story on the pod. That's great. Wow. So that like, I didn't actually start watching movies, like, like actually like trying to watch movies other than like the random one that would be on TV with my dad, like until like 2017. So I feel like I'm playing a game of perpetual catch up. So there's a lot of big movies that like, just like by how I choose what to watch just haven't come up yet. Like I'll randomly choose a director, go to watch your most popular thing. And just James Cameron hasn't come up for me. That's um, super fair. 
So it's been luck at the draw, but obviously I've known about this movie forever. I actually had this friend in high school um, who now like writes about movies, shout out Lauren LaMagna, um, who Titanic has always been her favorite movie. And I remember always being like, I don't know anything about this. I just know Lauren loves it. So like, it's obviously always been in the air. Um, but like, again, in high school, I wasn't setting aside time to watch movies. Like the list of favorite movies, like started with How to Train Your Dragon and ended with Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which are both amazing. But like, it, that good, was- Good films. Yeah. No, yeah. Incredible movies, but like watching movies wasn't a priority. So, um, so yeah, it just hasn't happened yet. So I'm excited for it to finally happen. I'm excited for that too. I mean, yeah. for a lot of reasons. I mean, one, if it's one of your close friends' favorite movie, two, if it's the last movie you experienced in utero, like that's that's amazing. Um, so that's a I had no idea any of that um before we started, but now I'm doubly glad because that's an amazing story. Um, that being said, what do you know about Titanic in as much detail as you care to go into? Because obviously this is one that just through cultural osmosis. Yeah, it's huge. Just so, so, so much. So I know a few things. I obviously know it's based on the true story of the sinking of the Titanic. Yep. Um, I'm aware that there were a lot of rich people on the boat and it was a big deal that the Titanic was happening. This is just, this is just historical. Um, I know it stars Le- young Leo DiCaprio, who I do like because shout out to Romeo plus Juliet, which deserves more love than it does. It absolutely does. This is, this is one of this pod, you might not know this, this is one of this podcast's like big, like fucking soapboxes. Is that oh. that movie deserves a lot I more love. I that, but yeah. I, so I'm like there for 90s Leo. Um, I know it also starts Kate Winslet, who, um, my partner's parents insist that I look like young Kate Winslet. So I'm ready to see, I don't, the, I can see it can insisting see it. on it. I don't know. But like, now that you yeah. say it, I'm like, oh, I can see why they would say that. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I know it stars them. And then in terms of like, obviously there are small plot things. I know, I know the ending. I don't know if I'm supposed to be spoiling the ending of Titanic now. I'm, yeah. No, you can go for it. I mean, full spoiler warnings yeah. on these episodes, but yes, the ending is also iconic. the historical occurrence of the Titanic. If you just don't know what happened to that. Yeah. I know when it's sinking, Kate Winslet is on a door and that Leo is uh, like can't get on the door, but everyone insists that there was room for both of them. I know that's going to happen at the end. Um, we will discuss that because yeah, I have. It's a big thing. I have ten years worth of. I don't I have, have a platform I have, I have to heard, yell about this. I have heard Caroline's takes on this. They're specific. <laughs> they are very specific. Yeah. Go on, Nicole. But like besides the ending, and like I think like that paint me like one of your French girls quote maybe comes from this. Outside, yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. I know nothing of what happens in the middle. There's a romance, then the Titanic sings, and it's like two and a half hours long, and a lot of stuff yeah. happens in the middle, but that's really it. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot to know about a movie that you've never seen. So yeah. um, with that being said, um, before we go and watch the movie, we always like to play a little bit of a game. So are you ready for that, Nicole? Yes, I am. Great. So the game we are going to be playing this week is called our Untitled Letterboxed Game, in which Carson and I have prepared um, Carson and I have prepared three one-star reviews from the social media review website Letterboxd. And Nicole, you're going to try to guess which one is Titanic. Okay. Um, now, with that being said, feel free to uh, give guesses as to what the other reviews are from. Those are kind of bonus points that we like to go through, but 
if you get the one that's Titanic, you win. Are you ready? I'm scared and I'm ready. (laughs) Okay, awesome. So let me pull up the first review here. Okay. This movie is impressively mediocre. The characters are barely fleshed out before shit goes crazy. The behavior of these characters is absurd and everything explodes just because it looks cool. If I had to say one good thing, it's that the special effects look good and I can tell that's where all of the budget went. Okay. Okay, I got the second one. Caroline gave me one to read. Wow, what a task. Uh, One star. I wasted over three hours watching this film. The whole thing was one big pile of garbage. Honest to God, the scene where an actor explains to a different actor how to spit makes my skin crawl in how ridiculous it is. All right, that's review number two. Review number three, one star. Quite possibly the worst historical romance since Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor. This movie is a boring, unoriginal, lifeless disaster film with poor acting, a tired and cliched story, and flat direction from director. Oh, Lord. Um, I feel like you're baiting me to choose three, because, like, with my limited knowledge of this movie, that's the one that feels the most right. But, um... But I also don't, I, I guess I'm just going to have to go with that, even if you're like, we tricked you, but I'm going to go with number three. <laughs> number three is not Titanic. Mm. Okay. Number two was Titanic. Okay. How long is Titanic? It's a long movie. It's like, right, it's like sitting right about three hours. Yeah. Prepare yourself. It's a long and it's a long one, but it's a good one. Yeah. Um, do you have any guesses as to what the other two reviews were? Um, the, uh, there's just no way this is actually it. Um, hold on. Is that what I'm thinking of? No, that's totally not what I'm thinking of. What's the movie I just saw? Oh, is it Chase? Nope. What's the movie that I just saw that stars Keanu Reeves and there's a bus? Speed? 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 Listen, that's all the, I I watched it like two months ago. I've already, uh, that's the only thing that came to mind with number one was Speed, which kind of describes to me, uh, listen, Speed wasn't bad, but I feel like, so that was my only guess for number one. And I've really gotten oh, yes. number three then. Cool. Um, I mean, you were close. These are all like disaster-based films with some element of, I don't know if this one, if number one has romance in it, but the first one is um, the 2006 film Poseidon, which okay, is which like the, seen. you have seen. I have Poseidon. not, seen that, so I don't feel that bad about not getting that one. Yes, um, I mean Poseidon. Yes, the 2006 remake of it's like the fourth remake of the Poseidon Adventure, um, where the boat gets hit by a tidal wave and flips upside down, but everyone's walking on the ceiling. It's I've not seen the remake. I've seen the original, and it's pretty cool. Caroline, I think you're talking about the Kristen Stewart film Underwater. No, but that is. I've heard that's actually like I've better than that's it. good. I, I don't want to insult the Kristen Stewart film underwater. It's just, it was an easy joke. I no, uh, we love, we love case two on this podcast. Mm. Um, and then the final uh, review, the third one was the uh, 2014 film Pompeii starring. Okay. Oh, Pompeii. <laughs> so three disaster movies um, with insane overbloated special effects budgets, but the difference is Titanic's actually good. Yeah, Titanic's um, Oscar worthy. <laughs> With that being said, uh, we're about to go and get ready to watch the film. Nicole, do you have any closing thoughts before we go and watch Titanic? 
I think that game makes me feel increasingly unprepared for this movie because I'm not sure where this rests on like disaster movie to like serious dramatic uh, romance. Yeah. So I'm, I'm even more intrigued and I'm very excited. Well, to, to answer that question, I think a lot of people, are, even after having seen the movie, are torn on where that divide is because when I was looking up one star reviews for Titanic, almost every review was either like, like, why did they have to set this movie on the Titanic? Why didn't they just make this into a romance? Or skip to the halfway point when the boat hits the iceberg because the first hour and a half of romance is stupid. I just want to watch the boat sink. So, yeah. like, I think audiences to this day are still a little torn on, like, whether this is more of a drama or more of a disaster film. And uh, the letterbox reviews really kind of reflect that, so. Well, I'm I'm... I'm going in there for the romance. It's, I think, what I've been more aware of and I guess a little more interested in, but I'm prepared for an hour and a half of disaster movie too, so. I think I think it all works together, but we will we'll come blend, back to I that say. in just a few minutes for the audience. Um, and with that, we're going to go watch Titanic. We are back. Back. Nicole, let's just let's just hop right on into this. You just Ti watched Titanic for the first time. Titanic was good. Uh, let's get that out let's, there. Let's, <laughs> let's hop into it. Give us your take. Give us your take um, on Titanic. Oh God. Okay, that's 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 a loaded question. How much am I going to say in the opening? Um, mm. I thought Titanic was excellent. If we want to get numerical here, I gave it four and a half stars. Um, which kind Wonderful. of wrote it kind of got better as I watched. I am a person who like, I like kind of like melodrama romance. I like things that are Lucy like elegant and lavish stuff like that. So I went in expecting to like really be into the first half and then not really care when it became a disaster movie. Al contraire, I like couldn't, when, when everything, you know, when shit hit the fan, I was just, I was so on board. I just like, I liked it more and more as it went along. And then after I watched it, you know, you read everyone, you know, their reviews. I was like, okay, this movie was doing so much. Um, so very simply, I thought it ruled. Um, oh, yeah. And I don't, I, it's, I understand why it was so big at the time. And I guess I don't totally understand like the pushback in years since. Like I get it. The most popular thing is that, you know, like there are people who hate OK Computer just because, you know, you have to hate the biggest album or whatever. But right. I don't, I don't understand how you could like watch this and like not at least enjoy it a little bit. Mm. So these are my preliminary Titanic thoughts. I am so yeah. glad that you said that because yeah. I I agree very wholeheartedly. I think it is one of those things that just like, I can get if this is not your cup of tea. Like I can understand if you are like, you know, like, oh yeah, I saw Titanic and like, it's good, but it's it's not my thing. I I think people who are like, that movie is bad. I think they are either being disingenuous. Um, like they're like not trying to engage with the film on the level that the film exists or they're just like yeah. straight lying because yeah. like <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of insane to to have that takeaway it's such a fucking crowd pleaser like it is so 
it is a movie that exists solely to give people what they want. Like it's, ah, it's <laughs> wild. It is, I, I'm glad you said that exactly because as you said, okay, computer, my eyes then drifted past my computer to the uh, uh, the vinyl of okay computer that I have sitting <laughs> behind. Like literally it's right past my computer right there. And I'm like, it's the exact same thing as Titanic. You're completely correct. It's like, how the f- I, yeah, I, Caroline, I agree with you. I don't get how anybody doesn't like this movie. It's, yeah. it's crazy. I mean, and- I think too, like you kind of can't talk about this film without like the legacy of like, it was the biggest film of all time. It was the most expensive yeah. film ever made. And then it was the highest grossing film of all mm-hmm. time for like a minute. Yeah. And so it is that thing where it's like, yes, people hate that popular thing, but like, I don't know. I remember being like a kid and like the narrative, I mean, it was like a very sexist kind of narrative, like, because like women loved this movie, obviously. And that's not yeah. to say that like men didn't because like, Carson, you you're you're right here, buddy. But like, <laughs> yeah. it is that thing where like a lot of people, um, there was a lot of initial pushback because it was a quote unquote girl movie. Um, yeah. And like, I feel like a lot of that, I feel like a lot of the hate we see today is like the 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 ancestor of that almost like the or like the 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 grandchild of that, and it's like it's morphed into like a little bit more heady, and like it's morphed into something that people try to rationalize away, but it is like still that like, well, this is a popular girl thing 15, 20 years ago. So now it's. It's anti Leonardo DiCaprio bias is what it is. It is. And yes. this is, this is back when Leo was for the girls. He's very much for the boys now, but this is back in the day, early Leo. Well, yeah, I, I was even going to say, I think I can kind of speak on that. Cause again, like having mm. gone my whole life without seeing the movie, like what my impressions were beforehand, I really did, you know, the things I knew were mostly like the romance centric stuff, you know, the sad ending, um, the fact that it's like this very dramatic romance. Um, and I think watching it, I think maybe the reason I like that second half better is how unexpected it was for me as a viewer. Cause like, I really don't think that's talked about. I know that's absurd because like everyone knows about the Titanic, but like my impressions were that this is just going to be like a romance from toe to tip. Um, and then to see like, you know, like the technological achievements, I was surprised at how good it looked for the most part. Like the oh, only still thing that looks bad. Yeah. yeah. The only thing that looked bad was like the sky sometimes. Like there were some shots against the sky. I was like, that's a bad green screen. But like the actual yeah. ship stuff was really impressive. Um, so I think I was just taken aback by like, all the stuff I didn't know about or expect about this movie that ended up for me at least being the highlights. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Nicole, you are like, you are like dancing around like so many of like my main takes on this movie. <laughs> it's like, I think part of the magic trick of this movie is like it even opens with the frame narrative of like the first thing you see in this movie is a submarine going down to the bottom of the ocean and being like, here's Titanic. It hit a fucking iceberg and it sank and it's right here. And like, we all know this and it gives you like, it is 20 minutes almost, I think, before it cuts back to the past. And like, it spends so much time in the beginning being like, Titanic sank, it went down, a lot of people died. And then you get so swept up in the story that like, when it hits the iceberg, you're like, fuck, they actually did hit an iceberg, didn't they? I forgot about it. That was the thing. That was actually, uh, there were two main points I wanted to hit on. And that was one of them that um, 
when she, when Rose is like telling, you know, cause she's like telling her story, she interjects, I think maybe like three times, but I, there was a moment, maybe like an hour in where I forgot we were like on the Titanic. I forgot they were going to, and then I think um the first time that like the word iceberg is mentioned, you know, like it's in passing amongst like those captains or whatever. I was like, oh fuck, iceberg what what do you mean um and I think it's a, so this is my this is my defense for why the movie's so long I think it has to in the first half completely wrap you up in their romance and it wouldn't be as effective if that was short if it was just like you know like a blip to get to the to, to the disaster part like it really effectively for me at least I call this the um the never let me go effect I don't know if any of you have read that book um but like they just have um like these two characters wrapped up in a moment and then there's this one line that's like and then one day it was the last day. And by the time you get to that line, you've forgotten that like their situation was gonna end. Um, so I had that exact same feeling with Titanic. And I was just like, it was a terrible moment when the iceberg was mentioned. I know. And it's, it is that thing of just like, I mean, it is a testament and like, we'll get into it. Like this movie is yeah. like corny, it's cheese ball. It's oh. great. And like, mm-hmm. and like it so wears its heart on its sleeve. But on this, in the same way, like it is a testament to just like the way this film is, like how smartly it's written that it pulls that trick off. And it's like, Cameron does a very, 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 very similar thing in Aliens um, that I love. And it's one of my favorite things about that movie is in this movie, they have like the guy who is like, he's like the big bearded, like um, oceanographer guy who's like kind of annoying. He's like clearly like, He's like, an, he, he seems like a decent enough guy, but like, he's annoying. He's unsensitive. He's just kind of like here for whatever. And he gives you the exact breakdown of how the ship is going to sink. And then it happens. Ah. Oh. Well, and, and the thing is, is it's like Cameron gives you the really important information mm-hmm. from the character that you like that you kind of find annoying so like it works as characterization because he's being so insensitive to Rose and you're like wow this is a scene where like people are being insensitive to like this woman's like you know horrific trauma that she like and but it is giving you all of that information but you write off that information because Mm -hmm. it's annoying and like he does the same thing in Aliens with Bill Paxton's character because he does the whole like they're like, where are these aliens coming from? And he's like, well, what if it's like an alien queen? And what if they like reproduce like ants? And they're like, they're just like, they're not ants, dude. Like, (laughs) shut up. And then, so then when she walks into the room and she sees the alien queen, you don't have to explain anything. Like it's been like planted in your brain. Like that's how it's going to work. And then you see it and it's like, oh, I didn't see that coming. But now that it's here, like I do. And it's so great that he does that and he gives you an exact play-by-play of how that ship is going to go down because then like he doesn't have to explain anything yeah. like when they're when they're actually there so i just i just i love james cameron he just he pushes all the right buttons for me and so that is my my take on titanic is he gets so much of that scientific like well here's why the boat sunk like this out of the way so that when it gets there he doesn't have to slow down for a minute because here's the thing about james cameron the man fucking loves boats. He does. And water. <laughs> That's just like, it's the reason that you have all these 
like some of them with Kate Winslet, these like crazy ass set pictures from the new avatar that he's been working on for fucking five years where it's just like, okay, I invented a new way of motion capture that you can sink in the water because I need all the actors to be underwater because his thing is that he loves it when people are underwater. That's like been James Cameron's fascination for 30 fucking years. It's why so much of the, the, uh, that footage in the beginning of the movie of the Titanic is real. Like he was just on that Russian boat you know, being one of the guys that like looked at the Titanic and he was like, you know what? We should make a movie about this. This would be a good, a good flick. Yeah. James Cameron is a crazy person. I mean, it's one of the baseline things that he does as a director in this movie that I, I also think is like crazy smart and maybe is one of the reasons why people are turned off because as Caroline was saying, this thing is so cheeseball, the romance, everything's like hard is on its sleeve. It is so capital R romantic in addition to being like lowercase R romantic like about it is it is yeah. romantic like in aesthetic in a, as yeah. well I as mean, being aesthetic about love yes, yes yes and like but I, that works so well because the beginning and end of the movie you know you have those bumpers of the movie where it's much more realistic and it's much more naturalistic and then as soon as rose starts telling the story the colors start popping and everybody starts you know speaking in grand proclamations and things start getting a lot more textured and a lot more like outlandish and melodramatic because it is very explicitly being framed as the memory of this person. It is expressionistic in that way. Right. And it like, it makes everything feel, it makes you feel a little bit more involved. It's a really like elegant way of dropping you into that world. And I love it. It's so good. Yeah, I, I actually, I've always loved that storytelling device in movies generally, just like mm -hmm. this movie is through the eyes of a person. And like, I don't think Titanic does that in the way that like, makes you question the events like no. oh this is how rose is telling it is this really how it happened but i do think that like the way in which the romance is so i guess you could say melodramatic or capital r romantic like of course it is because like this is still so vivid for her that limeter says like it's been 84 years and yeah, i can still smell the, the paint. i think it was 84 yeah yeah and it's i can still smell the fresh paint smell the fresh paint like um so like every moment of the romance is so vivid because in essence, in actuality, like in the, the events are through like her speech or through her mind. Mm -hmm. um, I also didn't know about that framing device. I knew that like old Rose was there cause I knew about that meme. And like, once mm -hmm. I saw her, I was like, oh, that's that person. But I, I didn't expect the first 20 minutes of the movie um, to, to be that. Um, which I don't know, I also loved. I mean, to like get into an to get into it analytically, um, I like just clearly the. I think there is a way in which someone could watch Titanic and think that like we are glamorizing or like oh the past was better in some way, and like to see these people in the present still having the same like greedy uh, motivations. I just thought that worked really well as like an yeah. introduction to the themes of the film, um, even more so than practically. I think it like serves a thematic um, purpose. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And that, that frame narrative really does like every time I watch this movie, I am also surprised with how long it takes, even after having seen it. Cause it is that thing where it's like, I mean, the things you remember about the movie are obviously so much of the Kate and Leo stuff that like, you're like, oh yeah, we start with old Rose. Like it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. And then like, it is that thing where it finally cuts back to Titanic and you're like, wait a minute, it's been 25 minutes, hasn't it? Um, which is, which is like crazy. And it is kind of a wild, like, it is so much time to spend, which is like, like you said, Nicole, I think it is very necessary to how this movie works. 
And I think it's really important that this film takes like literally nothing for granted. Like the tone of the movie, like when Jack wins those tickets, it is not that foreboding, like, oh, and we all know how this is actually a tragedy for him. And we're going to, it is like the best moment. Like Leo is playing it. Like it is the best thing that has ever happened to him. Yeah. And like, that is what I think like takes, like it, it is that kind of thing that we were talking about earlier, where it's like, it's things like that, that make you forget the boat's going to fucking sink mm-hmm. because it's like a lesser movie would really focus on how tragic it is. And it's just like, Oh no, like if only Leo had lost that hand of poker, like he wouldn't have been on the boat and he would have survived, but like, Oh, look at this tragedy. But instead it is like, he gets on that boat and it's never a thing where it's like, Oh, these lovers, you know, it's not, it's not the other nineties, Leo, yeah. uh, heartbreak film Romeo and Juliet <laughs> Romeo plus Juliet where it is like where yeah. like well so much of Romeo and Juliet is like it's literally the opening monologue like never yeah. was there a tale of, of so much woe than that of Juliet and her Romeo or whatever mm-hmm. the line is it's like the whole thing of Romeo and Juliet is from like square one they're like if there's that foreboding like and they're gonna fucking die and like like we just know from square one that these two are gonna fucking die and it sucks and it breaks your heart every time something good happens because you know where it's heading And this movie is the exact opposite where the movie is like, Hey, so like, they're all going to die by the end of the picture. But like, anyway, like, yeah. And, and, and you forget about it. And they like the scenes between the two of them, like walking around the ship are Mm -hmm. so like sweet and lovable. And you're just like, Oh my God, this is so great. So that when it does hit the iceberg later, it's like such a fucking like, ah, oh, shit, they do die, don't they? <laughs> yeah, it's, can I, can I use this as a vehicle to talk about my big take Please. on this movie? My like big yes. takeaway. And this is, we, t- Nicole, you don't know, but this is a running gag on our show where we say that we record these things out of order because we do. Because this is a thing I'm going to talk about in an episode that will be released previous to this, but we are going to record later today also. Okay. But yeah, Amazing. so like, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Take your drink. So, we record these out of yes, order. we record these out of order. I was thinking of, so I was thinking of Romeo and Juliet a lot watching it this time, both because we kind of mentioned it and also just like Leonardo DiCaprio tragedy. And like, as much as I do like that movie, I think that this one sells, for the reasons you're talking about, Caroline, the tragedy of the story a little bit better. Um, and the main reason that I think that this movie works so damn well, like such a well-oiled machine, is that it is a disaster movie in which the disaster is a perfect metaphor for the central relationship. Like everything about, yeah, yeah, this good hand motion. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm on this. I'm, I yes. want to hear your thesis yes. and then I've got thoughts. Yes. Hell yeah. So like, so the myth, like, you know, going into this movie, this boat's going to sink and you because you know that old Rose is there and old Jack's not there. It would be very weird if at the end it's like, oh, and my husband, Jack. Like, no, he's dead. (laughs) Like, you know he's dead. And, like, the fact that the Titanic is going down, that it is this effigy, it, like, represents so many things. It It is, like, love and beauty and steadfastness, but it also represents, like, the rot at the center of the class system and patriarchy. And, like, it is a metaphor for the relationship between these two people. It is this, like, beautiful dream that you know is going to fail like because it's like built on like a shitty class structure and so it can never work like and every you know and then that's the thing is like it's this beautiful dream you want it to work you want it to work you want it to work but you know it's not going to and it's like yeah this relationship can never survive the titanic because this kind of relationship could never survive the titanic it's beautiful and it's 
it's a perfect metaphor and it works. You can analyze it from a lot of different levels, I think. And you can see like, oh, this is the, and it's, it's the thing that Cameron, I think, clues in on the most. And it's why this thing fucking works. Yes. Um, that's, I think that's like the only, okay, yeah. that's not the only take you can have from the Titanic, but like that was the <laughs> thing that also I came away thinking is that to bring all my thoughts yeah. together, the reason why it works so well when the first half of the movie wraps you up in its environment and you forget where you are is because they've like developed this utopia for themselves where they're just two people, they're, they're out, they're literally in the ocean, which is like a place devoid of, of land and of system. And even, I don't mm-hmm. know what the laws, what the what was going on with seas international law back then but like you know it's a place it's a place in limbo where society doesn't exist in theory so these two people can make this connection but it's never going to work because like that the 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 still and, and i feel like it's the fact that um it sinks because of greed in some ways because like they didn't they didn't believe that the titanic could sink it's like this lavish brilliant technological advancement funded mm-hmm. by the wealthy and, unsinkable like, it, yeah exactly that like apparently i don't actually know if this is true but i heard that like the titanic had enough boats to fit all the people on board but like they weren't trained to deploy them um because they literally didn't believe the the ship would sink don't take my word for that i i have not yeah. checked that um but no the the this they were never going to work so the titanic sinking it was just like almost just um speeding up the inevitable if not that then getting back to land and realizing she still probably would have married that dude listen i like kate's character i like how strong she is i like to believe that maybe she wouldn't go with him but like i think if that boat gets to america she goes with him because that's what happens when it's that time and i don't know i i just completely agree with you and i think that that is like the biggest take from this movie and i was also again impressed that Mm -hmm. i think this pretty cogent class commentary was just like i guess sneakily hidden Mm -hmm. in the biggest movie of all time um i guess it had the gusto to be like hey rich may be bad I yeah. appreciated yeah. that about I like obviously they're depicted as also like personality villainous I mean like yeah. all the times they're shitty to Leo at a dinner table oh um God. like it's not completely hidden um but I just appreciated that this movie had the gusto to do that and yeah. uh I think it was perfect the Good. the number of times I was watching this movie last night and I just look at the screen and go ah Billy Zane what a perfect asshole mm. just what mm. a, oh like he's I I love him his character <laughs> his character fucking sucks like uh, he's, he is he is in that melodramatic way such a perfect villain because he just sucks on every level like everything about him you're just like you are the worst person that has ever existed it's um it's a thing i think it's like a trope that's used occasionally i think where like anytime they do the like ah oh, women and children first i'm like that kind of infantilizes women a little bit but oh, yeah but if yeah. a man is like no 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 i must get to the front of the line you're like fuck that guy man like, come <laughs> right. Be, right like throw a set man be a fucking guy like come on you know one of the biggest things i was thinking while watching this movie obviously like once the second half set in yeah. is that most people have no idea how they would react in a situation like that i was watching i was thinking about every single person on that boat and i was like i this is what I wish you would be doing right now. This is what I think I'd be doing, but I have never been in a life-threatening situation to that degree. And I have absolutely no idea. I'd probably be incredibly selfish. I'd probably get my way onto a boat. It'd be easier for me because again, the women and children thing, but like you want to blame these characters. And there's that one, I don't remember who he was. There's that one character who I think was like a male worker on the boat. And it always focuses in on him because he like sneakily gets on one of the boats and the camera keeps going back to him and being like, you should maybe think this guy is, but who, who was he? Oh, do, you, Cameron, so, do you remember? Yeah. So he's the guy 
um, I believe he's the designer or no. No, 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 he's no, not the designer. Because that's he's talking about his but yes, but he is, he is the guy who says like, I think he's one of the owners and he's the one yeah, who's like, let's the get there man. by Tuesday. Yes. Like, yeah. like mm-hmm. we got to like, like, like full steam ahead. Like the ship's unsinkable, like let's go. So it's like, it is 95% his fault that the, yeah. that the ship sinks. And it is that thing of like, he is the one who spurns this on, but because he's rich and because he owns at least part of the boat and like part of the company that, well, he gets to make out alive. Like he doesn't have to face the consequences other than like eh, a guilty conscience. Yeah. But he doesn't have to face freezing to death in the water and mm -hmm. all of that horrible stuff. I blame him, but I also don't. Cause like, again, I think my instinct in that situation would be save myself. I'd like to think it'd be do what's right. But like, I I just think that's one of the things this movie made me think just at least on the, like the base disaster level is like, there's all these people. I have no idea what I'd be feeling in that situation. No, that is, that is something that like, I'm so glad you brought up. Cause like, that's something that kind of like congealed for me. Like this time that I watched this movie is that like, something that I wrote down is people say that this movie is so melodramatic and like the romance. Yeah. A lot of it is, Mm -hmm. but the thing is, is I was watching it and like the stuff where the boat's actually going down. I'm like, I don't think this is as melodramatic as people say it is. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I think, cause the thing is, is we see a lot in movies scenarios where characters could die. We very rarely see scenarios this drawn out where people like, are going to die yeah you know what I mean and like that's the thing is it's like people are like oh it's so melodramatic because like I don't know the cinema sensing of you know a film <laughs> criticism is like you know a plague on our a plague on the whole medium and yeah but like it is that thing where people are like well like I don't see why like they wouldn't like rationally like do this or like if I was on the boat I simply would x y and z and it's like you know I think a lot of people are so used to seeing films where it's like like the characters might die but if they have like a good enough head on their shoulders and if they're like a plucky enough adventure like they'll like smart their way out of it and it is this thing where it's like if I am the captain like if I am fucking uh Bernard Hill in this movie Mm -hmm. Thayden King we stand a legend um (laughs) I am him and like you know you are going down on the ship like yeah, there's a 100% chance you go into into like the fucking whatever they call it, the room where the the steering wheel is and like of course you would want to be behind the mast for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like of course you would want to be behind the or behind the helm, I believe it is on a ship. And like same thing too, like the old like rich white guys who are just like, "You know what? Like we know we're going to die. Like I would like to go out like with my very good friend." like drinking like you know like like with good spirits and all yeah, of that stuff that's the uh, I, love that. Like, I love that you 100 percent would do that in real life like I personally yeah. think because like you don't know how much time you have and like you have to wait through that time until you mm-hmm. die and it's like I think that people think that this movie is so melodramatic for a lot of those reasons but it's like I really do think that it is a lot more realistic than people give it credit for well, in that regard I like that it shows the full spectrum from people who are staying in their bed, like that old elderly couple who are staying in their bedrooms, resigned to it. But and I think you get as much of that as you get. You see a lot of people tr- like still like clinging onto that hope that like, oh, yeah. it'll be fine. Like even like the people where, where um, Jack and Kate are like at the very top, what ends up being like the top of the boat. There are just as many people like trying to escape and trying to figure out how to survive as there are people who are resigned. And I think that's probably exactly. the reality of a situation like that. There's a, a multiplicity of per- perspective or emotion in a time like that. My personal favorite um, response 
I love what at least this movie does. Who knows how much of it was completely based in fact, what they do with the orchestra. Ah, um, the band. Okay. That's real. That is real. I that love is the real. band. That's like a apocryphal well, story and I love it. I love that at first, obviously they're instructed to keep playing to mm. keep the people on the boat happy, you know, like have them not freak out, whatever. But I like to believe, and I don't know if I'm looking too into this or whatever. I, like, I think that as it keeps going, they're not playing anymore for anyone else but themselves for the same yeah. reason that someone would be reading their child about like a, a, a story or getting drunk. They're doing what I think they love most, which is probably playing music with these people. Again, there's a one guy playing the violin as everyone else is walking off and they come back. I think oh, exactly. Well, if, it, if this is our final moments, it'll be our final moments together. And I thought that was a beautiful, again, to going on with all the class stuff, this beautiful transitionary moment um, from, I don't know, doing doing something for the for the wealthy class versus doing something for yourself. Yeah, exactly. No, and it is that perfect moment where like, exactly what you said like they start to walk away like they make the joke it's just like it's like nobody's listening and they go well nobody listens to us at dinner and it's just like it's over like we're done yeah. and the guy starts playing because of course he fucking does starts playing yeah. nearer my god to thee mm. and then just like they're like ah shit like you're right dude like we should <laughs> we should like play this like beautiful sad song um and they all come back which is <sighs> so beautiful and Oh, that brings up so many important points, but I want to start here, which is let's play a fun game called When Do You Cry? Oh, <laughs> oh, the band makes me cry. That's a, actually a good place to start that because that makes me cry. Because, exactly. It is like, it is that thing where it's like, I'm watching it and I'm like going and like, they start playing Near My God to Thee. And I don't know if y'all have watched Midnight Mass, but that song just like, that song just like pushes all those right buttons. Like I'm not a religious person anymore. And like, I don't really go to church, but like there's enough of that like, Pavlovian like this song means something in my brain yeah. that whenever I hear near my god to thee it just ratchets up that like oh shit I'm gonna cry meter like 30 percent and so I'm like watching it and they're doing all the things and I just it does the pan of like the old couple in bed and literally like I just went my arm went over my face I just like kind of like bit down on my like forearm and just started sobbing yeah. at that like that is the moment that turns it on for me what about you guys yeah I mean that's yeah that's the one I also happy cry the midpoint where they're like finally together and they do the I'm the king of the world and then she mm -hmm. does Jack I'm flying like the repeat of that that makes me like happy cry and then also I because it then cuts back to real life and then you do have the moment of oh the boat's gonna sink yeah. Oh, fuck. Mm. That was the last night. That was like the last time we saw daylight. The Titanic saw daylight. And I go, ah, oh, ah. Oh. That's when it like the early bits of it start for me. I don't think I cried, which makes me feel callous. I feel like this is something that might like uh, do it the other time. But the, the, the closest I got, which is a scene that like, this just like appeals to my sensibilities. When I think his name was Mr. Andrews, the designer. That was his name, the designer mm -hmm. of the boat. Yeah, yeah Victor Garber. He's, yeah, he's standing there. He's in the dining room. He's looking oh. at that clock. I just that just even just that shot, you know, everything going on in that moment. Um, and then obviously, like when he says, uh, says goodbye to Rose, um, he he he's the one like that was the moment where I was almost tearing up, just like just watching him yeah. and like being asked to fill in the blanks of um, clearly he's like, I, you know, he, he designed the like he he feels at fault and that um that hurt me personally yeah. even if i didn't explicitly cry so that was my moment 
Yeah. Very this, cool. Yeah. This movie's got like, I, I don't know, it just reminded me how much this movie, because it is like capital R, because it fits in with the romance genre, that it's like, what is evil? Wealth and greed and rich people. What is good? Art and beauty and creation. And yeah. like, this movie's got a thing where like, even like, because Andrews is like, ostensibly kind of of the upper class, but like, he's the guy that made it. Like, he like he created this thing, and he's good for that reason. Like, and the musicians are good, and Jack's an artist, like, if, and, you know, uh, uh, Rose loves art. Like, it is a very James Cameron, like, dad thing, where he's like, yeah, <laughs> like, fuck the rich, but like, art's good, because I make art, I'm an artist, like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Which is funny too, just like the, the fact that this was the most expensive movie ever made. Kind of tough to reconcile those things. Like I, I agree with the points you're making. Yeah, At the same yeah. time, the amount of excess that mm -hmm. went into this movie to tell that point, mm -hmm. kind of a kind of something <laughs> difficult to square with. But no, that's yeah, fair. I, I personally choose to read that as James Cameron bleeding the studio system dry and sucking it like like sucking it out for all that it's worth, like getting as much uh, as much life out of that as he can. But yes, you are entirely right that it's James like Cameron much like Mr. Andrews is like I'm going to build the Titanic and I'm going to sink Hollywood with me like that's <laughs> yeah. that is fully what I think he's doing with like his fucking Avatar 2 and 3 that's going to cost a billion dollars he's just like no one wants to see yeah exactly Sorry, he's like I... look if it's all going down I'm going to be the one to bring it down like we're, if, if the Hollywood system is failing I'm going to be the guy to do it like yeah, yeah. I don't know I am I, I'm not excited I'm not excited for Avatar sequels, oh, I but I am excited for more James Cameron films. Yeah. And like, it is one of those things where it's like, look, the dude is like the track record with me is good enough. And like the mm -hmm. way he advances like filmmaking technology, like I respect enough that it's just like, hey man, if you want to go play it in like, in like your little like indoor pool with Sigourney Weaver and uh, what's his name? Uh, Sam Worthington. Sam, is he, is yeah. it Sam Worthington or Sam Washington? It's the major problem with Avatar is the lead guy is fucking a no one person. Yeah, but yeah. like if, if he wants to go and hang out with them for five years in a pool and he says like, and we're going to revolutionize digital filmmaking. Like, okay, like I'll, sure. I'll, I'll check it out. I'll Here's check it out, James. dollars. Go do it. <laughs> can we, can we talk Leo? Sure. I think we need to talk, Leo, because as we were kind of talking about at the beginning, like, so I feel like so much of the backlash to this thing is just the, it's something that, okay, so my roommate doesn't like this movie. A thing I found out last night. Yeah, last night. Yeah, thumbs down. Yeah. A thing I found out thumbs down. last night. I oh. made my letterbox, my, my like rewatch letterbox review was just like, if you don't like this movie, we can't be friends. And then my oh, no. fucking roommate comes back and she's like, uh, Titanic. I'm like, what are you talking about? Did she watch it with you? No. You watch a lot work. of these movies together. Okay, okay. We, we do, we, we do. But she was at work and she came home and was like, oh, because I was watching a different movie for this podcast after this. But she was like, oh, what'd you do? And I was like, oh, I watched Titanic. And she was like, mm. and I'm like, you don't like Titanic? But one of her things was like, yeah, like Leo's just kind of a pretty boy. I don't know why he's there. And I'm like, it, it baffled me. But I do think that that is kind of one of the cultural touchstones of this movie and it's the same with romeo and juliet like this is the time when leo was the he was like the teen beat guy like he was the, the cute boy that all the girls liked and that kind of um i don't know i think in a lot of people's minds that kind of like sully the reputation of this film and here's the thing is leo very similar to um romeo and juliet actually is leo as good as his female co-star no not at all. I disagree. Oh, I interesting. Disagree. Interesting. Ooh. I think I think Leo oh, wow, acts circles on. around Kate Winslet in this movie, Whoa. in my opinion. Yeah. Oh. I... 
That's crazy. That's wild. I want to get into that because I I think that Winslet is giving like an Oscar worthy performance in this, and Leo is good. But what? Go on, go on. I want to hear this. Well, I I just guess um I think Leo sell. I think what. I'm like a huge, I don't think I realize this, but I think Leo DiCaprio is just like, he's as good of an actor as he gets yeah. praised for. Um, he's really good. And I think his, the way he portrays charisma is so effortless. There's never a moment, he's one of those actors that I forget they're acting, um, which I guess is what you're supposed to do. It's like, oh, this is, this, this is actually, Leo DiCaprio is Jack, in a way that I never felt fully engrossed in Kate Winslet. Um, I, I think she's good in this. Yeah. Um, but I think, I don't know if it's like her, her accent kind of shifting from scene to scene, or um, or obviously she has like a, a loosely less likable character. I think me, I, I think Jack's kind of like the heart and center of this movie uh, yeah. in a way that I think obviously makes sense because Rose is the one telling it, mm-hmm. uh, and so Jack would be kind of the focal point in her story. Um, but yeah, I I just think that I don't know if this is just like. Nicole Feagan likes young Leo DiCaprio and so it like you know, was self-fulfilling prophecy um but I, I just thought that he played like that young lovelorn charismatic empathetic character better than Kate played the like torn up but also in love I don't know I, I they were both good but I'm just yeah. uh I'm gonna disagree with the crowd here I, I, I will say you touched on something that I always when I defend like when I say like oh yeah Kate Winslet's like one of the greatest actors of the generation which is when i just watched mayor of Easttown a few months ago and people were like oh how is it and they're because they've heard like oh yeah isn't winslet doing like this insane accent i'm like here's the thing she is does it sound good or correct no do you (laughs) ever do you ever care no because she's acting so like hard and so good which is like I think every time kate winslet tries to do any accent that's not her native one it sounds a little fake like, she never quite, like, even in, like, like, in Eternal Sunshine, she sounds really weird. Like, I love, it's one of my favorite movies. And she sounds so fucking weird the entire time. <laughs> and it kind of works for her character. But same thing in this. Her accent's, like, a little off. And it always is. But here's the thing. I think she's so good, it never matters. Like, it never yeah. weighs it down. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and a thing that, like, a thing that stuck out to me this time watching it is, like, it's it's a hard question to even answer because they are asked to do such different things. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. especially in that back half, it is like, it is like Rose is like hanging on and she is like going like full throttle. And like, we are kind of watching it through her eyes in terms of like, this is so difficult. Like, um, like this is like terrifying, all of that good stuff. And like all Leo is doing in the part where they're trying to survive the ship, basically from the part when Billy Zane pulls the gun through the part where like they have their last emotional speech on the door. Um, Leo is basically just like very excitedly yelling out commands for what yeah. Kate Winslet needs they're, to do. They're to yelling each other's names back and forth is the last yeah. thing that's this movie. And then I'll say and I then, do think Kate, yeah. yeah, Kate had a better second half, I think. Yeah. Have. And so like, I think it's, I think it's really easy in some degree to like, I think it's easier to latch on to or to laud Jack's performance in a way, because it's like, emotionally, he's not asked to do a whole lot in the back half, whereas Winslet is, but it is also that thing too, where it's like, it's also, I can see why people would like kind of latch onto Winslet's performance because she is the one who is like doing a lot of the work. 
So mm-hmm. like, I, I see both. I don't particularly have a favorite. I, uh, maybe this film is just so iconic that I don't question anything either of them does the entire fucking time. <laughs> yeah. Because it is just that thing of like, I, I'm sure this movie could be fine with other people, but it's like, it's like the Keanu and the Matrix thing. It's like, it's like, yeah, sure. Like this film is technically so well done in so many ways that like, I believe this director on this set with this script could get a good performance out of somebody else, but I just truly cannot even imagine. Mm -hmm. I cannot imagine a world in which, I don't even know, in which Brad Pitt is Jack. Like, I can't even, like, I can't even imagine it. Like, it just doesn't even make any sense. It would be like the right age. Like they would, he would have been like the right age, the right time. And I just am like- Hell, Keanu. Put him in there. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. No. <laughs> no. But Literally I don't know. No. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. There's something about. I I just think my big thing is that I think Winslet's like really fucking acting. Like she's doing some mm-hmm. acting circles, and Leo's like just so perfectly cast. Like he is so like he. I I agree with you in that he like is Jack so perfectly because he's be- he's beautiful and young. And he's got just those big dreamy eyes, which like you're immediately just like, oh, that guy. Yeah, that guy's that's pretty cute. It's a cute boy. Right. Cute boy right there. I <laughs> yeah. get what she likes him. And but there's also something a little rough about him, something a little lower class. And it's this thing that is part of Leonardo DiCaprio's kind of persona as movie star that like I think has really picked up later in his career, where like you get white people like him, but there's also something just a little slippery about him, something a little untrustworthy. You're not quite sure if you know, which is like, that is all of Wolf of Wall Street. Like that is his entire performance is like, wait, there's something, this guy's great. Wait, there's something about this guy that's kind of wrong. Um, that like, you believe why later in the film, Kate's like, holy shit, did he steal the diamond from? Oh no, of course mm-hmm. he didn't. But like, right. you understand why she would, because there's something a little fly by night about Leo. Um, but yeah, they're both, I mean, they're fantastic. It's, it's great. It's and great. I don't know. I don't know if anybody but James Cameron can pull off the moment of just like, how did you know it wasn't me? Like, what happened to let you know it wasn't me? Yeah. And she just says, I realized that, like, I knew the whole time. And it's just like, time. it's like on paper, that is such a so bullshit stupid. line. But somehow yeah. in a James Cameron movie, I'm just like, yeah. It's like, yeah. I also, I too, the audience member knew it the whole time. So it's like, yeah. you're right, Kate Winslet. Like, you're right, uh-huh. Rose. You should have trusted him. And I'm glad that you did. Yeah. Oh, this thing. Mo- Sorry, go yeah, on. I th- no, you're all good. I think what makes moments like those work. And again, what ultimately for me makes this feel like not like a completely melodramatic movie is that it doesn't do everything you want it to do. Mm-hmm. So like, I think if someone else was like handed a script like the, like this story, they would totally have uh, Billy Zane's character die in like some spectacular fashion. You'd get to see it and it'd be super exciting. You'd be like, yes, the bad man's dead. And I appreciated about this movie that they didn't. I think so. I think right. that like uh, the mix of things that like you as viewer really want um, which also, again, includes like, you know, Jack surviving. Like it doesn't give you every single bit that you would want if this was like real life that you'd want to happen to these characters. Yeah. Um. So I think it makes a moment like that, like that line feel better because it's not like the movie is at every single turn doing the the expectedly dramatic or satisfying thing. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I mean, like, that's something I really never thought about, but that's a really great point is like, because this movie is so kind of like, it is so pure and it is so exactly what it is from top to bottom and the kind of never falters in that. I have never imagined a version of Titanic in which 
you know, it's sad that it's sad that Leo dies. It's sad that Kate loses her lover. It's sad that like all of these people died, but like, but also wasn't it kind of cool when this person died? You know what I mean? Like, like the film never like, and I think you're right. I think a much worse film would do that. And I've never even considered because like even like Billy Zane's an asshole, but the film does not even revel in the fact that he's suffering ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, it does not give you that like, well, so-and-so gets their comeuppance. You know what I mean? Yes. It is like, even, yeah. even the guy who, even the owner who makes them speed up, it is like, it is shot with that thing where it's like, you know, like, yeah, you're kind of like, oh, fuck you when he gets on a lifeboat. But the film is not like, look at this dastardly villain getting on the lifeboat. Mm-hmm. The film is just like, it really shoots him just like, this man is going to feel this guilt for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. And like, that is not a good thing to this movie, which yeah. is like something I never thought about until you talked about it right now, Nicole. But like, what a what a different movie that would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I James mean, obviously, obviously really like- empathetic as a filmmaker. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And- no, you, you I love Zoom clear. recording. <laughs> Obviously, like, I think one of the things, one of the things that would be appealing, I think, about telling the Titanic and one of the things that this movie does is, it, like, it's, there is, for the most part, like, a great equalizing thing that happens. Yeah. Obviously, at, like, at first, um, I mean, there is and there isn't. Oh, mostly the rich um, were able to survive because they had like those barricades up. But ultimately, right. the iceberg doesn't care. The ocean doesn't care. It's freezing cold, and whoever's left is gonna die. Yeah. Um, and so, like, there, I think there is that effect of like, um, of this loosely equal sympathy. I think again, I don't think it's trying to do some cushy like we're all humans in the end because I do think there yeah. are still clear villains of this movie. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, I think a moment like that, that at least attempts to humanize everything, because everyone, even the worst people on that ship are yeah. experiencing something either life ending or extremely life altering. Yeah. Um, and to and to ignore that, I think, again, that would be a worse movie to to view even the villains of this film completely unilaterally um, and to revel in their sorrow while like showing that uh, showing positively how other people are struggling. Yeah. Uh, yes. I, I want to use that to make a very weird point, which is the, the other movie I was thinking about when I was watching this one, especially at the back half, for some goddamn reason, was Don't Look Up. Because we've, on, I think on a Patreon episode, we talked about how I'm like, man, there's like 15 minutes of that movie that for some reason are super compelling to me at the end, which is like the, you know, the kind of revelry on the eve of the apocalypse stuff. And that's the whole back half of this movie. But also like, I think that this is, as a film is accidentally a better metaphor for climate change than all the stuff in Don't Look Up is Mm. because there is like the, okay, look, it's coming for all of us eventually. But also some people are because of the social systems they live in on the bottom of the boat. And so they're going to get it first, like, you know, and they have less access to try and get out, you know, and it's just a much more, it's a much more elegant metaphor, I think. But yeah, it was weirdly enough. That was the other film I was watching. I'm just like, oh yeah, this is that 15 minutes of Don't Look Up. I like, for like an hour yeah and like from a dozen different angles it's uh, so good well and and this brings me to a thing that I want to bring up and like Nicole you just talking about kind of like the ethics of like how are they going to portray some of these people is something that like I wanted to bring up because I think a more recent like bad take on Titanic is like can you imagine the fact that they like use this horrible tragedy to like tell a romance like that's so like callous and like unfeeling and I'm like don't 
I've stopped speaking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is, it is this like new thing that I've seen crop up in a few, like in like recent years. And it's like, I mean, that's all of historical fiction, number one. Yeah. And like, I don't think for a second this movie is using the tragedy of the Titanic. I think this is a film about like about that event. And yeah. it's something that like, you know, people like are like, I can't believe they would do that and then tell a romance with it. And it is that thing where it's like, it's like the story of the Titanic has been so insanely romanticized for the 80 years leading up to like this film getting made that like, it is not a crazy thing that like Cameron made a romance out of it. It is like the only logical endpoint. Yeah. For yeah. like how that narrative was being used. To make a tragic romance. It's not like if the movie had ended with like, oh man, the boat sank, but at least these two teenagers got together, like that would maybe be a different thing, but that is not <laughs> what the film's saying at all. Exactly. And also and also like I, I think there's some what else do you want it to just be sad the whole time? Like the people yeah. who were on the boat before it sank were just living lives. Mm -hmm. Like if you're gonna tell a story of the Titanic, I think you have to tell some story. Um, exactly. And I, like, I mean, and again, with all the stuff we talked about already, you know, like romance is metaphor. Like I, I, I just think that's baffling and a uh, perspective I can't even begin to understand if I was given years to understand how someone could think that. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's like you just want to like revel in, in sorrow and tragedy when like tragedies like when tragedy happens it's laced with the rest of life I yeah, don't know exactly no yeah and I mean like that is that is a very a very perfect point because it is that thing where it's like it's like you know stories about death aren't sad because there is a line that says and then somebody died you know what I mean like and it was sad yeah exactly like like you read these books where like it ends with the tragic ending and it's not just like you don't just turn to the final chapter and the final chapter is and then she died <laughs> yeah, it's like it is like so much of like why like stories like are so affecting is because they make you fall in love with these people yeah. like these authors make you fall in love with these fake people and then come, come up with fake reasons to fake kill them and it's mm -hmm. like you're just like I don't know it is a thing that that baffles me, especially too, because like a much worse version of this movie only focuses on Jack and Rose. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. there is a version of this movie where there's not a scene with, we don't meet any of the historical figures. We don't meet mm -hmm. any of the, um, like any of the other passengers on the ship. And it is just the two of them in medium wide talking to each other for enough time to establish that they're in a relationship and then boom, iceberg hits. But like this movie spends so much time focusing on the scope of this thing and like the scope of like if you think it's tragic that like we have two characters that you fall in love with and if you think it's tragic that one of them died think about the totality of this disaster and like if one person living this much like if one person who had this real of a life died if that is this tragic multiply that by 1500 yeah and mm -hmm. like that is so yeah. much the ethos of the film that like I do not understand people who are like I don't know I guess a lot of bad takes online nowadays are like they want a lot of people want like films and stories and stuff to like very didactically explain themselves and like yeah. they want to see a tragedy movie where like somebody essentially looks into the camera and is like 
the sinking of the Titanic was bad. And here is why it was bad. They want the Hindenburg guy to be like, oh, the humanity. Let us, let me tell you about how yeah, this is a exactly. And it's the, it's the, what is it? A Stalin? That's a weird poll right now, but it's, what is no, it? No, I love it. Let's go <laughs> for it. We're going full tanky. The, the yes. Stalin, yeah, yes, yes, comrade. Uh, but it's the Stalin quote where it's, you know, it's, it's the death of one is a tragedy. The death of a million is a statistic, you know? Oh, it, exactly. It's the, that is how you make a tragedy, you know, a movie about a tragedy that is this wide in scope is that you do need a way in you as people we need to be able to see just like one other person and sort of empathize with them in order to grasp the totality exactly uh, the totality of the titanic's tipping i can't think of another t word but uh but (laughs) yeah i also think that take again ignores the fact this isn't just a movie about a couple or a romance but i think this movie is actively confronting its class issues and the hubris Mm. of the 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 building of the titanic at all that like we were so intent on on on, um advancing technology that we uh you know just completely ignore the ways in which it could go wrong like the hubris of like i just think that is such an absurd take you need i think you need kind of that like again that focus because also if you a worse version of this movie doesn't have like main characters it's just completely ensemble and it's like the ship's gonna sink you know it's just the second half of the movie where you just gratuitously watch people die um so you kind of need that like that 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 central that focus but you need it to be broader in order to discuss everything else that was going on with the creation and sinking of the titanic so um i just yeah i can't i can't engage with that <laughs> nicole i don't nicole i don't know how into musical theater you are i guess I that is on long I- I grew up on Long Island, okay. uh, which All until right. I, so 45 minutes from New York City, baby. New so what, what are you thinking about? Have y'all, are y'all familiar with Titanic the Musical? Because the thing you just described, there are it's no exactly that musical. That's Titanic yeah. the Musical. And it oh, really- just like an ensemble uh, cast of- it's, it's all the history. It is, it's funny because it's all, it's the, all the people that are in this movie, but it's all historical figures and there mm. is no main character. And it's just this ensemble piece. And for that reason, it really just does not work. Like you have no way in. I I I am a book editor as my profession. And like sure. the number one thing that I've like told, like not number one, one of the things I feel like I've had to tell a lot of authors is that like, I, a reader, don't just care about a world because it exists. Yeah. Yeah. You have to get me to like care about a world by like grounding me in a care because yeah. X lives in this world. Yeah. So like, obviously, you know, like I would care if I watched Titanic and like 1500 people died, but because of the magnitude of that number, like my brain can't comprehend 1500 consciousnesses or mm-hmm. souls dying. You need to show me one or two yeah. or something. I think that that's just like, right. the, the, given human nature and the way we conceive of life and stories, like that's just good storytelling. Yeah. Exactly. It is that thing of like, of like, if you, because we cannot fully grasp the totality of what 1500 deaths looks like, it is that thing where it's like, if you give us the one and then say, and then you let that fully affect you and then say, okay, now multiply that by 1500. You're like, that is unimaginable. Like that yeah. tragedy is unimaginable. Yeah. Whereas if they take the time to be like, this is what 1500 deaths look like. You're just kind of like, uh, okay. Like, is this like, is this legal? Like, like how it's, it's the beginning of the spell? movie. It's, it's the yeah. it's ponytail McBeard guy at the beginning being like, and then the Titanic started to sink and then it snapped in half and then it started sinking more. And you're just like, <laughs> okay and and then by the end of the movie you're seeing it happen to real people and you're like jesus christ you're like exactly oh this is intense you know i have a question for the crowd 
So, yes. and this might just be me being an idiot. So, you know, the, 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 the ship has sunk and there's all these people in the water. Mm-hmm. And my thought was like, not like they're, even though I know they all die, I was like, they're not going to die. Why, why can't they just keep kicking and keep their bodies warm? Which like, I, yeah. I can't, again, also like film cannot communicate coldness quite. Cause I'm sitting yeah. here yeah. in my fucking heat, yeah. heat room. Right. Um, <laughs> heated room but then one of my favorite shots you know like towards the, I don't know if we want to start talking about the end just yet but you know when the other boat the rescue boat is coming up and you see all these frozen bodies floating mm. and I'm like oh shit yeah. it was really cold yeah. Yeah, again I can only that, that, that like again I can't quite feel that in my heart of hearts because I can't comprehend all those bodies mm-hmm. floating and freezing but that was like a just like a very good visual for what it was like that and I bet a lot of those people probably had hope they'd survive if me a viewer thinks they can totally survive waiting in that water just keep kicking or something they probably thought that too and I think to translate my thoughts onto these fictional characters who were real people it's a harrowing little triangle it's the it's the on repeat watchings because you notice oh my I mean the first half of this film does a really good job of setting up everything that's going to happen it's really great setup payoff and you have you notice in repeat watchings the whole first Jack and Rose uh one it is it mirrors their last thing because they have the don't let go thing but also one of the things he said she's like you die when you hit the water and he's like ah no I'm more worried about the cold like I you'd survive the fall but the you know the water's really Mm, cold that'd be the thing that kills you no yeah. yeah and I mean I think too I think Carson yes the the setup of that is like super important to like your understanding of the film but I also think too that like this thing that is so haunting especially on rewatches is right after the boat fully goes down like and there's no longer a boat and it is just people you get that shot where the camera like the camera is kind of like at this like downward angle and it's looking down and it tilts up and pulls back and just as far as this camera is like allowing you to see there are just like people thrashing about in the water and it is this thing of like oh my god there are so many people like this goes on like and obviously you know it is a camera manipulating like your psychology but it's it's literally as far as I can humanly see there are souls in this water kicking thrashing trying to cling on to life and then the next time you see a wide shot of that is when they have all died and they are all now corpses. And like that, that, that like A and B of like, you see this earlier and then later you see all of those people dead. It is just this thing of like, oh my God, like it is so harrowing. Yeah. Uh. I'm also, I'm ready to talk about the door whenever anyone else is. Let's talk about the can door. I, can, I, can, I, can I, can I provide yes. my, my, the, my thesis? Yes. 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 Every, everyone's wrong. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you. Yeah. Here's Thank what God. the fuck happens. Can I tell you what happens if you watch the movie in the last Lay it piece? on me. Okay, they're in the water. They find a door. What do they do? They both try to get on. And what does Jack realize? that they can't hold both of their weight. Yeah. That when they both try to get on, it starts to sink. So what does Jack decide? I'll save her. Oh my God, it's not, and maybe she even realized that too, but even if she didn't realize that, he realized that. If she asked to come on the door with me, he would have said no because they both tried to get on. They yes. literally tried to get on the door and it couldn't hold their weight. What the hell? Yeah. Yes, no, thank you. It is, 
it is so the thing no. that I always say to people of it's like, it is not an issue of size. It is an issue of buoyancy. Yes. Because, <laughs> it's like, because it's like, it's like, we've all been like, you know, like, like at a lake or at like a pool. And like, we've mm-hmm. all been on like an inflatable raft. That's like a little bit too deflated. And it's like, it's like, you will float at the top of the water and it will stop you from going under, but your entire body is going to be submerged. Like yeah. your mm-hmm. body is going to be submerged like two or three inches into the water. Um, and it is that thing where it's like, it's like, it is so clearly telegraphed that I don't understand how this is a take yeah. because it's like, it's like Rose gets on the door. Great. She's on the door. Not two seconds later, Jack tries to get up on the door and it capsizes. It sinks, it sinks yeah. on his end and the thing flips up and they both fall off. The view, the listeners cannot see me reenacting them <laughs> plunging into the water, but... <laughs> But, but it's like an exceptional reenactment. It is really it, good. Thank you. Thank you, Corey. Um, but it is that thing of like, it, it is so clearly stated that yeah. like mm-hmm. they both try to get on the door. They can't do it. But you know what? It will hold Kate Winslet by herself. Mm-hmm. So. And it's and more than that, it's this, it's the fucking the thing we talk about all the time, which is the cinema sensing of film criticism, where it's like, you know what is the most important thing of this scene? the plot logic, like the science of it, where it's like, no, it's the completion of a character arc. It's a thematic moment. It's because when they first met, Leo was like, I will save you. I will die for you. And then by the fucking last scene, he's like, I am literally going to die for you. It's so simple. These idiots don't get it. Yeah. I'm just glad we're all on the same page. Nicole, I'm I'm so glad because I was like, Oh no! I, I I really am so glad we didn't have to debate that in the back half because it is still a debate that is somehow raging to this day. Even Some though the three of us are we entirely correct, we, we are right. I, I seriously think it's got to be people who either didn't see the movie or haven't seen it in a long time, or right. maybe don't pay attention. You know, yeah. like they've got one eye to the movie, one eye to their phones, which I can't really also judge because I do that half the time myself. Yeah. But like, it, it, if you're watching, if you're actually watching and you're thinking, your brain cells are on. Yes. You gotta be aware of what's happening. Yes. The film doesn't need to tell, again, the film doesn't, we don't need Kate to say, not Kate, Rose, God. We don't need Rose to say, I'd love for you to come on, but we're both gonna sink. You know why? Because <laughs> the movie shows you with yeah. its images. We've got the camera Usually doing a lot of work. It to you. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I, um, I'm, I'm so glad that you came to that independently <laughs> because it is still a thing I see people debating online. And it is still like every time you bring up Titanic, somebody says they could have both fit on the door. And it's that's like, not the point. It, it boggles my mind. Corey, you were going to say something a minute ago. Um, I sure was. Yes, I it. It's in total agreement with what you three said, but there's like in a there's a very quick like half second close up on Jack's face where it's like just him breathing twice and sort of nodding and going like, okay, this is what we have to do. This is what we have yes. to do. And I think that half a second shot, like you're saying, takes all, even if they could have both fit, even if they both could have fit like uncomfortably and sort mm-hmm. of sort of bobbled, like that takes all, that, that ends the argument right there. We yeah. see him make the choice to, like there mm-hmm. is a literal image of us watching him decide to save her. Yeah. And, and it is like, I don't know, it's, we hit on it a little bit earlier, but it is kind of like a lot of the legacy of this movie is like it I'm, and like the guy's doing fine now, but like it fucked Leonardo DiCaprio's career for like, like almost 10 years because everybody like hated him because he was the pretty boy in the girl movie. And Mm -hmm. like, and it's the same thing too, where it's like, I see so frequently, like the take I see a lot is, um, 
people saying that like Rose sucks because she could have let Leo on the door, which Ew. is like, yeah, I know. Yeah. And that's like, a, that's the thing I see a lot. Um, and it's just like, it is just like, there's a lot of misogyny wrapped up in this movie. And we're seeing yeah. now a, a very similar, a very similar thing happening with Robert Pattinson where like yeah. Robert Pattinson went away for like eight years and just did weird art films and is now like, re-emerging as the boy actor which is like so strange like he's the batman now yeah like the batman the bat the bat hyphen man which is what i wish they would have titled the movie but eh, no one listens to me no no one does um (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so yeah yeah it is it is a thing that like is so much a part of the legacy of this movie is like it was the number one highest grossing film of all time. So many people saw this movie like 10 times in theaters, but like so much of the legacy is shit on because people can't let things that are quote unquote girl stuff be like, be good, you know? It's wild. What's confusing to me, and I wish I knew more about this, Mm -hmm. is that like, I also feel like Kate Winslet, while I believe Kate Winslet is a household name, when I was looking at her credits, she hasn't been in a ton of like m- large, well-regarded movies. Like she's got this and she has Eternal Sunshine. I feel like there was one other maybe big one when I looked on Letterboxd and like her fourth high, like biggest, like most popular movie on Letterboxd is something, from, oh, maybe the third was Contagion, which again is kind of like an ensemble movie. Like yeah. I think everyone knows who Kate Winslet is and yet I almost wouldn't call her a big movie star. And that's odd. And I don't know, like, I understand what happened to Leo. Cause again, like he, but this and Romeo plus Juliet kind of like put him in this typecast box. But like, what happened with Kate Winslet? Am I like getting she, this wrong? Or, I, like, I think you're partially right also. I mean, there was a few years there where she literally was like, I'm not acting, I'm going to go be a mom. So like that okay. take, she's, which she's just like now kind of coming out of. And also you mm-hmm. did forget a uh, very important film, The Holiday. I knew you were going to say <laughs> The Holiday. <laughs> <laughs> very important piece of cinema there. Uh, yeah, I mean, my thing with Leo in this is you can, it's the thing we've been saying, you can take a direct line from him at the end of this movie to like, him and the Revenant eating a bear heart and just being like, God, is this what you want? Like, is this what you want me to do so that you'll take yeah. me seriously and give me an Oscar? God damn it. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm really, as much as I don't think the Revenant's that good and I think that he's been much better in many other films, I'm very glad that Leo won the Oscar for the Revenant because it seems like since then he's been able to like, okay, I can calm down. I can, I don't have to just go a hundred miles per hour all the time, you know, with my acting mm-hmm. to prove to people that I'm good. Um, yeah, but Kate, I mean, she's good. She's good in everything is the thing with her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad that, um, I'm glad that she threw much like fucking the ring of power in a Mordor. She um, just said, she said, no. She said, ha, which said, I was yeah. so glad about. Um, I, at first I thought, you know how in like that first scene, she's wearing those earrings. She's wearing those like um mm-hmm. large silver heart earrings. I was like, yeah. oh, that's the necklace. Yeah. Um, and then it wasn't. Um, so which I, I, I liked that she dropped it in the ocean. It, it is um, very simple. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's also one of the great things, especially in repeat viewings where you get to like, you see the, safe at the beginning of the movie and then you start to notice as you're going like oh this is oh so this is why this is in the safe this is why this was in the safe right and then you're able to later in the movie it's just that perfect tracking of oh this is how she got the diamond it's one of my weirdly the the line in this movie that like 
has stuck itself in my head. Is Billy is, Zane. Yes, I, I put the coat the on her. I put the diamond in the coat. I put the coat on the girl. <laughs> he walks away. <sighs> that was my like, I'm walking around last night and I'm just like saying that to my roommate. <laughs> and she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, this line in Titanic. It just got stuck in my brain. I'm going to be thinking about it for a week now. Uh, uh, but good Titanic. Uh, Titanic, uh, it rules. The thing yeah, about yeah. Titanic. Hot, hot the take, thing about Titanic uh, is movie. that it rules. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you guys have thought about it in this light, but like upon rewatches, um, I'm coming to this realization that this movie fucking slaps. Like this movie <laughs> oh, yeah. is great. Um, uh, yeah. Okay, Nicole, do you have any like final thoughts on Titanic? Um, I'm so glad you watched this with us. I am yeah. so glad you came on and watched this. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad I finally watched. It. Yeah, um, it, it's like the sh- it's one of the shortest three hour movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Just got just yeah. want to say that, but like you know, some some hour and a half long movies feel like they took the whole day for me. Yeah. Um, just just emotionally, this I don't know if it's again because of its changing tone or whatever. Um, I just think that it like not flies by, but it doesn't feel like a chore, and I'm, I would have yeah. loved to see this in theaters. Um, yeah. and also just the water effects we haven't really talked about that I don't know how he did it oh. I'm definitely afraid this was also a f- um my biggest fear is like not being able to breathe specifically relating to drowning so there were times I was like this is terrible and done yeah. so well um just like the way it seems like literally all these actors were actually like flooded with water it's like hey have at it I don't I think that was practical um I just wanted to pepper in there that I thought this was done well Oh, definitely. I agree. Definitely. Love that water. Um, it is, it is, I mean, and it is just that thing of like, it's something that you just, you need to build a real set and fill mm. it with a, just a shit ton of water to, like, to get that effect. And it's like, it's like, it is that thing where it's like, if this movie were made today, I can't imagine how much of the water rushing in would be CGI, but it is mm-hmm. literally just Cameron like, all right. And then uh, the water blows this door down. So can we get a um, hundred thousand gallons of water? Yeah. And then we're going to rip the store off its hinges and it's all going to come flooding in and it's going to hit Kate and Leo. Great. Okay. Awesome. Like we've got a game Let's plan. Go. Let's do it. I need um, to put them in the water. What? I need to put them in the water. Yes, it is so good. Um, and I, I think you are so right about how it flies by, like literally mm-hmm. like it is that thing where it's like, I feel very similarly with like um, with the Lord of the Rings um, extended editions like that are on multiple discs. Like I know even watching it like today when there's no longer a break in there, my brain is just like end disc one. And it is that thing where it's like when Victor Garber says, like, I believe you're go- you will get your headlines. My brain just goes oh shit we're only yeah. through one vhs tape mm-hmm. like like that is like <laughs> that is like the one yeah that is the blow line of like the fight of the first vhs tape is just like he gives that line and then the first shot of tape two is like billy zane like looking all like upset in the room like disappointed with uh rose and i was we've got a whole nother fucking vhs tape to go yeah like i was like wow but like it does it flies by yeah um, and then my only other thought is actually a question Anyone else have any other big boat art recommendations? Because here's been the big last, boats. like, okay, last week I watched Master and Commander for the first ah, time. Okay. Which, which, like, leading into this was crazy. And then I'm reading Moby Dick next. So, like, I'm kind of, I've always been interested in water and boats as, like, the only thing that, like, it, like, moves without us needing to move it and has no, doesn't care about humanity. Yeah. Um, so I feel like this was honestly a great, like, week-long double feature with Master and Commander and hopefully continuing on my big boat era 
um, into Moby Dick. So does anyone else have any other? Uh, also, oh, the terror season one, another great big boat um, piece of art. I've heard that's incredible. And I've been Whoa. meaning to Exceptional. watch it. This is the push. It, it's only one season and it's so good. Okay. Here, here's the thing. I haven't seen this movie because I don't think it's anywhere on streaming. It's like famously difficult to watch. Okay. James Cameron did make a movie called The Abyss in 1989, which takes place all underwater. That was the beginning well, of his fascination where he's like, it needs to happen submarines. He loves, he <laughs> loves the ocean and the water. That's his whole and thing. Me too, man. Yeah. yeah. In the way that, in the way that Tarantino kind of just can't not show feet yes. in his movies, James yes. Cameron just kind of can't not shoot a film that sure does not is. have at least a million gallons of water on hand. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, there's Hunt for Red October, which is a submarine yeah. movie, but like- A good one. Um, it's probably the biggest one um, that mm-hmm. I can think of if you have not seen that. But yeah, I'll, I'll keep my eyes peeled for boat movies and I'll DM them oh, to you on what, Twitter. What's the, what's the, uh, uh, the Ron Howard movie with Chris Hemsworth? That was bad though, but it's the heart of the ocean. Uh-huh. It is the heart of the sea. The, in the, I was gonna, in the heart of the, the sea. Yeah, yeah. A movie well, that I was like, that write that down. Cool. Yeah. But it is very boaty and whaley. It's very whales, inspired by, uh, by uh, Moby Dick from what I hear. Yeah. Okay. there a movie with like Kristen Stewart where there's like something- Underwater. The, underwater. the one that came it's out in like 2019. Underwater. Yeah. yeah. It's called mm-hmm. Underwater. Oh, yeah. well, Nicole, thank you so much for fucking joining us thank for this you. episode on Titanic. Um, thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. Of course, like literally come back anytime. Mm. We'll, <laughs> we'll look for some more movies for you to watch. But um, before we get into like where people can find the show and all of like our dumb bullshit, like- where can people find you on the internet? Like where, where should we be sending our, our, our little followers to? So I make YouTube videos about uh, music and films and books. It's just under my name, Nicole Fegan. Um, and I'm on Twitter at Nick Fegan. And if you have a manuscript, like a novel and you need it edited, just Google my name with editor at the end and I can work on your book. And those are the three things I do with my time. Excellent. Oh yeah, good uh, plugs. And I mean, like, Nicole, you do the series. I think we mentioned this up top, but just as a reminder to people, like, one of the reasons I reached out to you is because you will do a YouTube series where you go through, like, all of your first watches. So I was like, I was like, oh, that's, like, perfect. Like, what she does is so closely related to what we do here. So, like, if you guys like our show, you will almost certainly love um, Nicole's Nicole's film uh, YouTube videos as well as her book video, uh, videos. We don't talk about books because we're we're dumb dumb idiots over here. But <laughs> the only book we talk about is Dune. That's true. That is uh, the one exception we talk a lot about. Too. We do that talk a lot about. Sure too. is true. I'm I'm reading that this year too. It's a lot uh, of big book. You can see I'm adding myself. There's my copy of Infinite Jest on my chair back there. So it's oh, it's big, big book boy. year for me. Big book yeah. year. Yeah, Moby Dick, Dune, and Infinite, Infinite Jest. Jest. Those are three thick books. Those are some big boys. Oh, Lord. Some big um, books. Yeah. Corey, do you have any final thoughts on Titanic? Um, any final thoughts on Titanic? Uh, listening to you three talk about this for the last hour has actually made me like this movie a lot more than nice. I than when oh, I finished yeah. it. Um, I when I finished it, I looked at my wife and went, "I don't think that's a bad movie, but I don't like it all that Whoa. very much." Um, Whoa! Hot take. Hot take. Hot takes only. Yeah, it's, no, it's one of those fine. things that it's like fine. I liked. 99% of it. I really didn't like the framing device really bugged me for some reason when I finished it, mm. but listening to you all analyze it, I was like, oh, 
okay i get it yeah yeah um so it's been a lovely it's just been a lovely like you know hour plus just sitting and learning and listening and um titanic good movie titanic Titanic, good movie titanic colon sit and learn and listen (laughs) we should have called that's what we should have called this podcast was sit and learn and listen no Um, now we're too late for a rebrand yeah exactly (laughs) well Corey, um where can all of the fine people find us on the interwebs you want to give that little little spiel absolutely if you like what you hear please be sure to like us and subscribe wherever you stream your podcasts uh please also leave us a review uh that would really help out the visibility of the show Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash HHYNS podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at HHYNS pod. And a special thank you to all of our patrons. Uh, if you'd like a shout out on the show and bonus content, head over to Patreon, uh, our Patreon at patreon.com slash HHYNS pod. We have multiple levels, all with their own perks, ranging from $1 to $25 a month. As I said, if you're interested in hearing more, please visit patreon.com slash HHYNSpod. And I, I've just got to plug this really quickly with the please. Patreon. Um, we are about to record the first part of an episode Ooh. that I have wanted to do yeah. for years on this show. And I'm like, there's no way. We are never going to find a human being who has not seen this movie. It is just yeah. physically impossible. Um, but we found one. Uh, friends and um, his name producer Corey it's producer Corey and producer Corey has not seen George Lucas's 1977 film Star Wars so impossible so I've seen all the other ones but I've never seen the original Star Wars which is just an, an insane thing to for a human being to do it is a really? it is a it is a true oh. feat in and of itself so I am very excited. Um, please check us out on Patreon. Please uh, check out Nicole um, on YouTube. Um, and uh, what movie are we doing next week? I don't even remember what on the main uh, feed. We are doing next week, uh, Squid and the Whale. Oh, hell yeah. Nice. Love that. Yes. I think I think the, the seafaring uh, things in that <laughs> title are more of a metaphor. Yes. But um, we'll continue our uh, vague theme of uh, ocean. The sea. <laughs> the sea. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much. We will see you next week when we talk the squid and the whale. Bye, y'all.